You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central Show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by the CHOPS Power Injector System, the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA. Find them at barbecuekansascity.com. And by Butcher Barbecue. From injections to rubs to sauces, always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is bigpapasmokers.com and by Cook Shack Pellet and Electric Grills visit them at pelletcooker.com or cookshack.com or call them 800-423-0698 and by Cookin' Pellets you can buy Cookin' Pellets at cookinpellets.com you can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at GreenMountainGrills.com. Hi, I'm Johnny Dam, host of the Damage Report radio show. When I'm not falling in love with the First Amendment all over again, I like to sit back, relax, and rub my meat to the Barbecue Central show. And now your host, Greg Rempe. Go, Greg. Yeah, rub that meat. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Hey, you want to jump in on the show tonight? I'm more than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show alternatively, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Also, you can do neither. You can just lay out and absorb the entertainment value of the show and take it from there. 216-220-0966, phone number, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, email address, And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter that came out right about uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, what's one of the most, aside from barbecue and competition barbecue and barbecue on television and anything that has to do with barbecue and grilling as it relates to this industry, this market segment, what's one of the most popular things ever right now and it seems to have only been growing over the last well growing forever because of the topic of of discussion however 
in recent years, in a recent handful of years, I've noticed, because I'm a fan of it myself to a large degree, the popularity that seems to have given rise to this particular industry. Of course, I'm talking about the uh, whiskey, bourbon, scotch industry. Who doesn't love it? Everybody loves it. And as I said, it seems to be getting more and more popular each and every week. The brown liquor, as Sylvie Curry pointing out. So I said, hey, instead of trying to cover this on my own and pretend like I'm an expert when I'm not, let's go ahead and find the expert, the go-to guy, the me of whiskey land. So I did a lot of research, and I found a guy. I'm telling you, there's a very deep belief in the very fibers of my being that this guy has, assuming he wants to, a great potential of being a recurring guest. He is an authority in the whiskey world. He's got an extensive breadth of background in broadcast, in radio, television. He hosts a show called Whiskey Cast, W-H. I-S-K-Y-C-A-S-T, one word, whiskeycast.com is the website. You could subscribe on iTunes as well. That's where I found him. He's got the best-sounding whiskey show ever on the face of the earth, and to boot, the knowledge is superior. So I reached out to Mark, by the way, his name, Mark Gillespie, host of Whiskey Cast. Uh, so I reached out, and I said, hey, uh, I'm a big fan of bourbon. I like to drink it a lot. And uh, But there, I know there's other things, and there's single barrels and single malts, and there's age, and there's not age, and there's blends, and there's all this stuff. And bur- brown liquor seems to go almost hand-in-hand hand with barbecue anymore. And it's kind of that kind of popularity, as I had mentioned before. So Mark will be joining us for his first foray into the Barbecue Central Show Jungle at 9.14, and we're going to cover you know high-level stuff, basics, and then we'll uh, hopefully build in from there in future interviews. Then at 9.35, one of the teams that I am following for the entire 2016 competition season, uh, not, he hasn't competed yet per se. We're going to get a lot in-depth into the things that he is up to in regards to putting on competitions. These are backyard events, frozen bones, We're also going to be talking about Choke the Chicken. We might get into some of these other things that uh, he's uh, helping new teams out with. I mean, this guy, literally, the ambassador for barbecue, and we'll talk about that uh, with Tim Shoup from Tim's Full Belly Deli as well, who'll be joining us at 935. Looking forward to that, as always. And then we'll move it to the second hour. And as I said last week when we had discussions with Sterling Ball, he was opening up a month long of conversations that I was going to be having with the pitmasters that won each category in Kansas City Barbecue Society. So Sterling quickly laid out his entire process for pork. And this week... We will be learning all about ribs from 2015. KCBS Team of the Year in Ribs, Tim Shear from Shake und Bake Barbecue. Talked to Tim earlier on the phone. We've got it all laid out. We're very excited. Now, this is a little different than the round tables that I have had. I'm not saying I'm not going to do those anymore, but you know, why not get it right from the number one horse's mouth, what the process is that, that gets you to win that particular category during a competition season? 
So we'll hit it all. It's prep, it's cook, it's finish. And then as long as we have some time after the fact, I got him held for two segments, well, whether he knows it or not. Uh, we'll get into some of the other more pressing barbecue stuff, topical-wise, news-wise, stuff like that that doesn't really have to do with the cooking per se, you know, strictly on the rib stuff. So we'll see what kind of time we have with uh, Tim Shear. Then your phone calls, your emails as well, should you see fit to join in. Again, those numbers and email addresses are 216-220-0966, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Uh, I'll get a little bit more into this in the second hour. I made a Facebook post on this a handful of hours ago. February 7th, we weren't on the air. That was only two days ago. But February 7th, 2007, marked the very first time the Barbecue Central show ever aired in its live fashion. We took it on the air, kind of on a whim, on a wing and a prayer with a guy named Sam Hassan, who then founded bbstalkradio.com, which has now morphed into latalkradio.com, and is still the number one authority, the number one go-to place for internet talk radio, perhaps talk radio anywhere, because more and more people are driving to the internet to get their talk radio. They don't want to be subjected to terrestrial radio anymore. They want to listen to shows that are within their passions, done by people that they want to hear, but more importantly, convenient to their schedule. So a lot of it is still on demand. LA Talk Radio still providing that side of it as well. But big thanks to Sam Hassan for really kind of getting this ball rolling. Uh, But to all of the Central Lights, to all of my guests, to all the show sponsors, to everybody that has tuned in and maybe left or has just tuned in tonight and might be going forward. And, of course, to all those people that started at some point and are still with me. The Central Lights. is with. Shout out to the Central Lights, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, take it over the world. So it really means a lot to me that you guys would be tuning in and listening to me do it live, uh, let alone, you know, the podcast stuff. So uh, thank you each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in each and every Tuesday or getting it whenever you get it. Uh, And we're going to keep moving forward. I got a a whole new potential feed that I might be adding to the Barbecue Central show that uh, is all going to be pre-recorded stuff. The the Tuesday show isn't going away, but I'm going to be adding something potentially just, you know, on the short list there. Could be released every Thursday. And uh, I must say, I'm kind of inspired by my first guest tonight in kind of looking at adding something in, in a different way, you know, a little bit more you know, non-live, see what happens, you know, off-the-cuff stuff, a little bit more structured uh, news, interviews on some uh, other competitions, uh, spotlights on some things that, you know, I just can't get to everything in a two-hour show once a week. This might help me kind of bridge that gap, and uh, I will keep you abreast uh, to the changes. One other thing here before we go into the first break and then get to Mark Gillespie from WhiskeyCast.com. My main man, Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue, this past weekend inducted into, and the inaugural, might I say, inducted class into the Oklahoma Barbecue Hall of Fame. David, yeah, baby. Well-deserved. Along with Dave Bosco of Butcher Barbecue, the, the initial class, the inaugural class of the Oklahoma Barbecue Hall of Fame, uh, Joe Davidson, Oklahoma Joe. Danny Head, Head Country, Paul Shate or Chate from Head Country, Bart Clark, Twin Oaks Barbecue, Gary Crane, owner, Ralph's Packaging, Beer, Bait, and Barbecue, Donnie Teal, Buffalo Barbecue, Donnie! And rounding out the class, Bob Hastings, a master judge. So 
Uh, huge congratulations. Send a note to Dave personally. Get him on the instant chat here. Private message him through the chat board. Whatever you're going to do. But congratulate Dave on uh, a huge accomplishment. I mean, he's very, very modest. He's not going to shout it out. Uh, but reach out and let him know what an accomplishment that the getting inducted into the Oklahoma Barbecue Hall of Fame is. So congratulations to Dave. And Dave, a shout-out for that huge-ass package you sent me with the new rubs and grilling oils, my man. Appreciate it. Yeah, baby. All right, uh, Mark Gillespie coming up out of the break to talk about the brown liquor. But first, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania. The Barbecue Guru Gang. If you've been thinking about automatic pin temperature control devices for your cooker, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? I don't know. Not familiar with how they work? I'm not going to get into the minutia, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature in one set, keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology right today. Because, hey, maybe you're a busy working professional or perhaps you are constantly on the run with kids doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have that time to set around and tend pit temperatures. We get it. That's why the guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs or all of that. And then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. The guru has your back when it comes to the pit temps. There's a number of different models to choose from. Of course, we love the ProCom 4 uh I'm sorry, we love the CyberQ Wi-Fi unit. If you want to do multiple cookers, you have uh, the ability to check temperatures, ramp up and down, internal temperatures of meat, all from your smart devices, however you're connecting. Or the PartyQ, the complete opposite end of the spectrum, easiest point of entry. It's 149 bucks for most models, $10 more for the ceramics because of the vent at the bottom and the adapter that you need. It runs on AA batteries, completely self-contained. It goes from cooker to cooker to cooker. It's absolutely stupendous. Highly recommended. Also, if you're looking for a cooker, Onyx Oven is still out there. It's still winning on the competition scene and in the backyards. Holds a lot of meat. Fully insulated. Half and full pan accommodations available. And you know it's going to work seamlessly with the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices as well. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to the website, thebbqguru.com, and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, 800-288-GURU or visit thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. And again, a special thanks to Bob Trudnack for uh, being the first one to jump on board when I told him about this little internet radio show we were going to do. Who knows was even going to morph into video for crying out loud. All right, nevertheless, we're back with Mark Gillespie from Whiskey Cask right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills. That's right, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you need a big cooker to house a lot of meat, they got one for you. How about something medium size? They got you covered there. Something to take on those tailgates? 
They got you covered there, too. Also, pellets to fire those cookers. Check them out at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love yours as well if you just visit the website. Right, certainly, if you tune into this show, you know how popular barbecue has become over the lifespan of this show, now in its eighth year of live broadcast here on the Internet. But there's another segment that has seen tremendous amount of growth and popularity. I'm a big fan as well, the brown liquor, bourbon, whiskey, scotch, an industry seeing its popularity grow and grow. But like anything, it can be a bit overwhelming if you are entering in for the first time. So what's one to do? Easy. You book a segment with the authority in the industry when it comes to covering the goings-on in that world. He hosts his own show called The Whiskey Cast, as I mentioned in the show open, that releases new episodes each week. He is here for the first time and is going to help us enter into the world of whiskey, learn a little bit more about it. Let's go ahead and head on over to the hotline and welcome in Mark Gillespie, host of Whiskey Cast. Mark, how are you, buddy? Fine, Greg. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Mark, and I really appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And as I was telling everybody in the beginning of the show, I kind of found you, uh, like anybody finds podcasts anymore, on iTunes and was looking for something to, I guess, I've been a big fan of bourbon for uh, quite a number of years. I can I can actually sit down and tell you the first time I had bourbon it was like a life-changing event for me, uh, which we can talk about here in a little bit. However, uh, I needed to know industry stuff and things that were going. I want to be a little bit more of a better educated consumer and and I stumbled upon whiskey cast and I've been a, a big fan, a short lived fan, you know, for two weeks, but a big fan kind of catching up on all the archives and so forth. So I guess before we get into that portion and go high level and, and try and help everybody with it, if you could give us a little background about yourself, uh, you know, what's your professional background like and, and how did whiskey cast start? Well, basically, I've been a a journalist for many, many years working in radio and TV stations around the country. And about uh, a little over 10 years ago in 2005, I was working for a a company uh, producing network television pieces. And we got the bright idea at the time to get into something called podcasting. And it was just in its infancy. And since I was the poor schmuck who was going to actually have to make this stuff work, I said, wait a second. Uh, let me play around with this for a little bit before we commit a lot of time and a lot of energy to something we may kill after a few weeks because of the uh, pain in the neck factor. And I figured at the time I was into whiskey. I'd been into whiskey for several years, and I thought, well, if I did something with whiskey, this would give me a chance to talk to distillers, talk to people, learn more about it for myself, and... If other people enjoy the uh, journey with me, then great. And if we kill it after a few weeks, then no harm, no foul. Well, that was November of 2005. It's now February of 2016, and I'm still doing the show every week. So, obviously, uh, quite a success. <laughs> yeah, beats real work. Yeah, for sure. Now, in regards to you being a fan of, of whiskey in general, like what were your first experiences with whiskey? Was it with your dad? Was it like sneaking it underage? Did you get into it, you know, well, well into your drinking years? How did it go? I can tell you exactly just as you did with bourbon, how I got started with whiskey. I did not drink it in college. I did not drink it as a young person. I was, uh, it was, uh, 1997 and I was down in Sarasota, Florida there's a, a place in Sarasota called Michael's on East, and at the time they had a, a second venue, uh, was sort of known as the Tasting Room, which was a, a little small 
wine and cheese bar dessert type place with a retail liquor store attached to it. And you could buy, if you like, found something you liked in the bar, then you could go through the door over into the liquor store and buy it. I was down in Sarasota at the time taking care of my grandmother's estate after she'd passed on. And I was hanging out at the tasting room a lot in the evenings. And one night I walk in and they're offering a flight of single malt scotches as a special. And I thought at the time, you go, you know, I'm X number of years old. I've been drinking beer mostly and wine. Maybe I really ought to see if there's something out there for me that I can drink spirits-wise. And this sounded interesting. So I said, okay. I sat down at the bar, put my credit card down, and told the bartender, okay. I mean, <laughs> teach me what you know. He pours four different single malts from around Scotland. And just as you did with bourbon, it changed my life. Because I immediately picked up on the differences between the different regions he poured and the flavors. And I thought, hmm, I could learn to like this very easily. And before I left that night, I went over to the liquor store and picked up a set of miniatures of the Balveni. They had a three-pack of them. Uh, I should note that at the time I was living and working in Anchorage, Alaska as a TV reporter. And I didn't have a whole lot of room in my bag to carry bottles back. So the minis fit perfectly. And that's what I took back. And it started out slow and then sort of snowballed and then culminated with Whiskey Cast. And ever since then, it's been a great ride. Mark Gillespie joining me here on the show, host of Whiskey Cast, the website whiskeycast.com. And you can also find and follow him on the Twitter, Whiskey Cast or at Whiskey Cast. Um, Mark, let's talk, you know, kind of high level here. So you have, and perhaps... Whiskey is the uh, umbrella term like uh, barbecue is for live fire. Uh, A lot of people think that grilling falls under the term barbecue because there's a lot of different temperature ranges and a lot of debate back and forth to be sure, like I'm sure there is uh, within your industry. But when we talk about whiskey and we talk about bourbon and we talk about scotch, are they three different things? Are they two different things falling under the whiskey umbrella? How do you find that? Very simply... Bourbon and scotch are both whiskeys, but not all whiskey is bourbon, nor is it scotch. Uh, In this case, scotch can only be made in Scotland, and you have the different varieties of scotch. You have the uh, blended scotches, which combine malts from multiple distilleries and grain whiskey, and you have single malts, which is 100% malted barley made at a single distillery. And whiskey can be from different years, different vintages, and blended together by the distiller but it all has to come from that same distillery to be called a single malt. You have a couple of other varieties, blended malt, which is malt whiskeys from more than one distillery, uh, blended grains, which is grain whiskey from more than one distillery, and single grains, which are grain whiskeys distilled at a single distillery, just like single malts. Now, bourbon has to be made by law in the U.S. and by international treaties only in the United States. You can make it anywhere in the U.S., not necessarily in Kentucky, though Kentucky produces about 90 to 95% of the uh, bourbon supply that's out there. But it has to be at least 51% corn in the mash bill, 
You can use any number of grains after that, but it has to be at least 51%. There are a whole bunch of other technical regulations that if you really want to go full nerd on this, we can do. But I'm not sure we want to go full nerd just yet. On well, this. so let me ask you, because as I had mentioned, I'm a pretty big bourbon guy. And the first bourbon I ever drank was Maker's Mark in uh, in Kentucky at the Mid-American Truck Show back in uh, 1999, I believe. And uh, I, I had always understood bourbon to be having to be made in Kentucky. And it had to be with some type of use of the limestone and the water and that anything else outside and, and like Bourbon County, Kentucky or something like that. And that anything outside of uh, of those parameters was now just whiskey or or mash whiskey or something along those lines. No, uh, the Kentuckians <laughs> would like you to think that because they uh, I bought it. They they promote <laughs> Kentucky bourbon as the native spirit of the country. Well, bourbon is actually by act of Congress America's native spirit, but you can make bourbon anywhere. I've had some very interesting bourbons made from all over the country. And you can make it anywhere. Technically, and the purists are going to scream about this, Jack Daniels should legally be called a bourbon. It meets all the standards. But back in the 50s, Lem Motlow, the proprietor at the time, and his family got the federal government to allow them to call it Tennessee whiskey instead of being required to call it bourbon. It meets all the standards. Even the Brown Foreman folks who own Jack Daniels have admitted to me on the record that, yes, it meets all the standards for a bourbon, but they call it Tennessee whiskey. Is that a better branding thing for them to be a it, Tennessee yeah, it whiskey? Differentiates. Yeah. It differentiates them from bourbons. But as long as it's at least 51% corn in your mash bill and matured for at least a day, theoretically, in <laughs> New charred oak barrels. Uh, can't go into the barrel at over 125 proof. It can't be distilled at more than 62.5% proof. And you have to, well, I'm mean, sorry, I'm wrong on that part, but uh, it can't go into the barrel at more than 62.5% proof, which is, or 62.5% ABV, 125 proof. Let me clarify the difference between proof and ABV. So 125 proof, uh, new charred oak barrels, and the age statement on bourbons is that uh, once it reaches four years old, you don't have to put an age statement on it. As long as it's under four years old, you're supposed to put an age statement on it. You can't call it a straight bourbon unless it's been at least two years old. And you can't add any flavorings to a straight bourbon. So all these flavored whiskeys that are out there, even flavored bourbons, they can be called Kentucky straight bourbon with added flavorings as long as they disclose it, but it, ha it can't be added. You can't add the flavorings in before it's distilled or before it's put into the barrel. You can only uh, add those flavors in afterwards. It seems like there's a lot of red tape going on here to make sure that you are uh, abiding by what you can call what. Yeah, there are law <laughs> firms that make a lot of money keeping yeah. uh, the distillers uh, legal. Uh, Mark, let me ask you this in regards to the whiskeys and bourbons versus uh, the scotch whiskeys. Okay. Is there a discernible flavor palette difference uh, that you would be able to take a, a snifter of one and go, oh, that's a scotch, or oh, boom, that's a, that's a bourbon, and not be able to confuse them at all? It's getting closer and closer, and I'll explain the reason for that in a moment. You're going to get more flavor, more intense flavor from bourbons because they use new charred oak. And the whiskey tends to absorb a lot of the tannins and the other elements and molecules that are in the wood. 
very early on. So that's what gives bourbon a more intense flavor generally. But then afterwards, those barrels can only be used once. A lot of those barrels go to Scotland where they're used to mature Scotch whiskey. And they impart a lot of the same flavors to Scotch whiskey. So you'll be able to tell similarities between them. For instance, if you're a Laphroaig fan of uh, Laphroaig Scotch whiskey, well, Laphroaig gets almost all of its bourbon barrels exclusively from Maker's Mark because they're owned by the same company. So you're going to detect some of the same notes from Maker's Mark as you would. You'll find those in Laphroaig as well. Now, so where, I guess, where is the, I mean, aside from one having to be made in Scotland, is, is, is the Scotch traditionally like more uh, smoky and peaty, or is that just more um, assimilated to a, a specific distiller being uh, that kind of a flavor profile? Well, smoky peaty whiskeys have always been associated with the island of Isla. But one thing that needs to be remembered is that a lot of distilleries actually did use peat throughout Scotland up until the 1950s and 1960s, because Scotland, being as remote as it was, did not have a lot of natural gas, and it was very expensive to transport fuel oil around. So when they were malting their barley at the distilleries and drying it in the kilns, they burned what they had for a local fuel source, which was peat. So even whiskeys that we don't think of today as traditionally peated, like, uh, for instance, the Macallan, had peat in them back in the day, back in the 1940s and 1950s. And it's gradually phased out to the point where most of the mainland Scottish distillers now just use non-peated barley. But even on Isla, you still have a, a wide range of peating levels between the various distilleries. Uh, Brooklady, for its regular range that goes under the Brooklady name, uses very little peat. For their Octomore range, which is as heavily peated as you can get, they crank the peating level as high as you can go, and everybody else in Isla sort of falls somewhere in between. Mark Gillespie joining me, host of Whiskey Cast, whiskeycast.com, his website, at whiskeycast on the Twitter if you want to check him out and give him a follow. Uh, Mark, is there a hmm, – uh, of course, this is probably up to uh, uh, personal preference and, who, and who's taking you under their wing, uh, I guess. But in regards to drinking whiskey or uh, scotch, whatever, it's a single malt or single grain or what have you, is there a proper way – to drink it? Is it neat? Is it rocks? Is it like a, a big rock or is it those like actual rocks that you can chill in your freezer now? Or I mean, like what's the, what's the proper way to drink whiskey? The proper way to drink whiskey is the way you like it best. Whatever works for you. If you bought the bottle, uh, Fred Noe of Jim Beam likes to say, if you bought the bottle, drink it any damn way you like. It's your whiskey. Drink it in the way that you like it the most. Now, there is a difference between drinking and nosing and tasting in the evaluation that I do for tasting notes. Mm -hmm. When I'm evaluating for a whiskey, either in judging it in competitions or evaluating it for my own tasting notes that we post on our website, I always start out neat and then I'll add a few drops of water because the water will open up the whiskey and in some cases, it will actually help make it a little bit better. It, it releases some of the flavors. In some whiskeys, that are, it doesn't hold up at all, and you can tell real quickly if it doesn't hold up. Now, if you add ice, I have been known to add ice on a hot summer day if I'm drinking a whiskey, but not ever for evaluating it because we all know what heat does. It expands the flavors yep. when you're grilling and when you're cooking. 
Well, cold contracts the flavors. It actually kills off the nose, and you wind up reducing the amount of aromas that you get and the amount of flavors that you get. Uh, the other reason I don't like to use ice, and I'm not the only one, I'm not the person who came up with this theory. Uh, Richard Patterson, the master blender of White and Mackay, was the guy who I learned it from. If you're using ice cubes in your freezer at home, and you just fill that ice tray full of water, or you've got your ice maker going, and let's say that you've got something particularly <laughs> pungent in the freezer, say right. some fish, or you've got garlic in your refrigerator section, and the aroma tends to uh, work its way around the freezer, well, you may pick up some of that aroma in your ice cubes, sure. and it's going to throw off the flavor of the whiskey. So for that reason, I don't like to use ice. Um, I've got some of those ice stones. Um, I don't find them useful. I've tried them. They're not bad. I mean, it's better than using the ice, which also will dilute your drink as you're drinking it. Remember that even the basic level for whiskey is 40% alcohol by volume or 80 proof. That means 60% of what you're already putting in the glass is water. You throw an ice cube in there as it melts, it's going to reduce that even more, uh, the amount of alcohol that you're getting. So that's why I don't like to use ice. If anything, I'll take an eyedropper and just put four or five drops of water in to achieve the effect I want to achieve and to keep it consistent between drinks. Should it be at least assume that if you've never had it before, that no matter how you're kind of drinking it, there's going to be that, you know, alcohol burn that, that kind of rushes over the palate? Well, if you're drinking it for the first time, here's where I would add ice or water. If you're drinking whiskey for the first time and you're trying to develop a taste for it, don't start out with anything cask strength. Don't start out with a really peaty scotch. Uh, don't start out with something like a George T. Stag bourbon at 70% alcohol by volume. <laughs> start out with something simple and add some water. Knock it down to about 20% ABV, which would be uh, for a 40% whiskey, you want to do a one-to-one -one ratio. Put one ounce of water, one ounce of whiskey. That'll knock it down a bit. My math might be slightly off on that, but... Work your way up to full-strength whiskey. Don't try to start off with a full-strength whiskey if you haven't tried it before because if you're not used to it, then you'll get turned off. And frankly, you can work your way up to it and enjoy it, and it won't take you that long to do. Last question before I let you go tonight, Mark, and I certainly appreciate the time, and I'm sure we could do a, an easy four-segment thing on, on the high-level stuff here. But is Pappy Van Winkle overrated? Is it worth the money? Should they pick up uh, production? Uh, like, what's the deal with Pappy Van Winkle? This is all I hear about. Okay. Let me answer this real quickly, and then I want to give you a barbecue sauce okay. idea Okay. before I go. Yes, it's overrated in that it's good bourbon. I like Pappy, but I would not like to pay regular retail prices for it, <laughs> let alone what some people are getting for it. Uh, basically, this whole thing got hyped by celebrity chefs like Anthony Bourdain and some of his friends uh, about 10 years or so ago who discovered Pappy, went nuts over it, started talking about it, and then it snowballed into this whole Pappy phenomenon. It's good whiskey. I don't mind it. If somebody wants to pour some for me, I'll be glad to drink it, but I'm not about to pay full price for a bottle or much more than what they're getting for it at retail. Sure. But let me give you a quick barbecue sauce recipe before I go, if that's okay. Please. Uh, best barbecue sauce I have had in years. I know a lot of folks like to add bourbon to a barbecue sauce to get that sweetness. Derek Mather of the Artisan Restaurant in Wishaw, Scotland, 
created this uh, barbecue sauce with Brooklady's Octomore for their uh, open day during the Isla Festival last year, and they were using it on the ribs that they were grilling up at the Isla Festival. And he put Octomore 6.3 in, I think was the number, either 6.3 or 6.4. This sucker was peated at 259 parts per million of phenols, which is the highest peating level ever. And essentially, it was liquid smoke in a bottle. But he kindly sent me a sample of it in the mail. And I let some folks try it over the Memorial Day weekend last year. And they're going, you got to get some more of this stuff. This is wicked good. (laughs) But try a really heavily peated scotch in a barbecue sauce. It's even better than liquid smoke or any of the artificial smoke things or whatever. And just try try a peated whiskey in your barbecue sauce. I was just getting questions about what to cook with or, or use uh, as far as scotch or uh, bourbon, well, and if, there you if go. If you've got a second, I'll give you one more that we do a lot of. We do a lot of here at the house that my wife has come up with. Okay, and we call it drunken whatever because you can do this with salmon, <laughs> uh, beef tenderloin, or pork tenderloin. Uh, you can take a salmon fillet or the ten- one of the tenderloins, lay it out in a uh, the plastic long container, like a long cake pan type container. Uh, Tupperware type thing, put a cup of your favorite whiskey into it. And this works with either scotch or bourbon. Pick the one you like and cook with good whiskey. I mean, you're not going to cook with cheap ingredients. Why cook with cheap whiskey? Put a cup of the good stuff in and let that sit, cover it up, put it in the refrigerator, let it sit all day long, let those ingredients get good and happy, let that whiskey soak into the meat or fish, and then put it on the grill at the end of the day. And grill that tenderloin up, and it is amazing. And it's drunken whatever. Well, it's drunken because <laughs> it's either drunken salmon or drunken tenderloin. Sure. Whichever one you call it, whichever one you want to do with it. But, I mean, we've done things like brine a Thanksgiving turkey with an entire bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label. Wow. And not burn the house down doing it. <laughs> Well, there you go, guys. So you wanted uh, questions and cooking and all that stuff. You get it right from the expert. It's Mark Gillespie, host of Whiskey Cast. And again, the website, whiskeycast.com, or you can find him on Twitter, at WhiskeyCast. Mark, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back soon. You got it. There he is, Mark Gillespie, Whiskey Cast. Look at that. We even went long on some whiskey talk because... Uh, well, A, it's my show, and I can go long if I want to. Yeah, baby! But let me set this up for Tim a little bit later. Here's a guy that, re- I mean, look, you, do me a favor. You know this guy is a professional on the radio and on the television. I don't think he said um once. Pro sounds great, and his uh, his podcast is absolutely top notch. So, uh, if you like to uh, drink the bourbon or the scotch or the whiskeys or whatever, it's going to be one you want to check out. And I think we will have Mark on as a uh, recurring guest to get the updates from what's happening in the whiskey world. Again, whiskeycast.com, his website. All right, let me talk to you quickly about the Chops Power Injector. The uh, 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year, from the backyard cooks like me to the restaurant caterers and chefs and competition cooks like you, or patent-pending technology. Let me break it down. Okay, let me break it down for you. Number one seller is the half-gallon chops power injector system designed for competition 
or to pump up the backyard worry. So easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, away you go. If you have just one brisket or a pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector for 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The one-gallon CHOPS power injector system is designed for catering and bigger jobs. It'll hold double the amount of the half-gallon. Some use it in competitions like uh, MBN Whole Hog or maybe doing 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needle, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 120 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Newest one, CHOPS power injector system. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition Big Daddy. It's not a holding tank, but a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container, from a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. And he said time and time again that with the Chops Full Power Injector System, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with a metal needle adapter, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11-and-a-half-gauge needles, three plug screws, a needle protector. It's 325 bucks plus shipping anywhere. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the CHOPS power injector system every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. This is the thing. We live in a foodie world that requires flavor in every bite, right? This is how you do it and how you do it fast. Want to inject some alcohol into your fruit? CHOPS power injector system can do that as well. Hand assembled right there in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories if you want them. You want to shoot the medium ground splices? They can do that. They have two, three, four-inch, 12-gauge needles, also a two-inch closed-tip needle, perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needles with fat. Fat! They sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. Also, an easy way to make your CHOPS power injector bulletproof with metal needle adapters. BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity.com. Tim's shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli arrives next. Stick around. We'll be right back. to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, thanks for joining me. And thanks again to Mark Gillespie for joining me this past segment talking about the brown liquor. Uh, Yeah, he knows. He knows a lot. Mark knows a lot. This portion of Barbecue Central Show brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information, or you can purchase at CookinPellets.com. Also, you can order from Amazon.com. You ever heard of Amazon.com? Yeah, it's an up-and-comer. I think it's uh, I think it's going to make it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, joining me now is a team that we're following for the 2016 season in the 20 to 25 event range. And tonight we're talking some backyard events he's putting on here over the next few weeks and months. So let's go ahead and race back over to the hotline and welcome back pitmaster of Tim's full belly deli. Tim shop joins us here on the show. Tim, how are you buddy? Hey Greg, how are you? 
I'm um, doing absolutely fabulous. Tip, uh, did you get uh, did you get your feet wet in the brown liquor talk this past segment? Yeah, I poured myself a basil Hayden while we are waiting for you to call. Oh yeah, were you uh, were you inspired as they say? <laughs> I was inspired. Yeah, it doesn't take much to inspire me. Yeah, well, I mean, are so are like are are you a, a big bourbon guy from like back in the day or like when did you get into it? Uh, always was Jack Daniels, single barrel, gentleman Jack. Now I've gotten into the bean products. Do you do you take a little ice? Little ice. That's what I have. A little ice and a lot of brown liquor. There you go. All right. It sounds like you have the the right ratio there, Tim. Uh, all right. So uh, Tim Shop again is the uh, pitmaster. Tim's Full Belly Deli. And uh, so let me start here first. And it doesn't have anything to do with the competition. But we were talking a little bit earlier today. And I guess congratulations are in order because I didn't even know. But you're the 2015 Barbecue Ambassador for KCBS. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that is the truth, right? Yeah. That's 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 the letter I got. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. What an honor. Yes, it is. Yeah, so uh, I guess for, for the folks that, you know, don't know, uh, you're as fierce as a competitor as there is on the circuit, of course, uh, but not taking away from the competition side, perhaps some of the best stuff that you're doing is cultivating interest in competition barbecue, then growing it in the form of actual barbecue teams entering in to uh, a calendar year in the Wisconsin and surrounding states as well. Uh, and, and a lot of these at your expense to boot, right? Yeah, I've spent some money on it. I and some of the other guys that are involved. We finally got to the point where I believe this contest next week will uh, will actually make a couple of dollars. It has to be somewhat rewarding. And, I mean, to me, Timmy, it sounds like you're a little bit more humble than, you know, some other people would be kind of a look at me, what I got, this and that. And it was just, you just kind of cast it off to the side when we were talking a little bit earlier. But, uh, you know, to, to bring people in and, and to find uh, what is attractive about competition barbecue and then showcasing it to teams that, you know, maybe they're dipping their foot in the water or maybe they've heard about it and they don't know if they want to do it or what they can expect you're kind of really uh, opening their eyes and, and giving them a format to come out and, and really give it a whirl. Well, exactly. I mean, if you're a young guy today, you buy a smoker, you go to your Ace Hardware, the guy talks you into buying a green egg or a good one or whatever you have, a Traeger. You get into it and you start watching Barbecue Pitmasters. We've caused our own problems. I mean, I started out with a Traeger and an Easy Up, but now I've got a forty-foot toy trailer and a twelve-hundred-pound Myron Mixon smoker. Right. These guys look at these shows and they're intimidated, uh, and the money gets to them. Well, what we try to do is <clears throat> we show them we all started somewhere. And about two, three years ago, I started talking to uh, three or four. There weren't many at the time. Three or four of the veterans in Wisconsin barbecue. Uh, Buzz Dean was one of them, Mike Kelly, and said, what do you guys think if I started a January rib contest? <laughs> and when everybody else told me I was nuts, they said, we'll back you on it. So we had the first frozen bones contest three years ago, and I'll never forget walking into the place, and Nick from Moose's Barbecue was the first one there, and he says, you know it's three degrees out and 17 below with the wind chill? And we were cooking outdoors in a pavilion, we have a very nice venue. It's a Lions Park in a little town called Van Dyne. It's got a pavilion. We can put about 20 teams underneath the pavilion. We've got tarps if the wind starts blowing. It's got a dining hall that seats 200, a commercial kitchen with a 20-foot uh, prep counter. 
bathrooms, the whole work. So it, it's it's really a nice venue. And uh, I started the first one. We had 13 teams. And I had promised a $1,000 purse for one meet. We paid down to the last spot. The last spot got $5. We had a trophy for first, a trophy for second, medals for third, fourth, and fifth, and a ribbon for everybody. And it was a mix of backyard teams and pro teams. And we decided, you know what, we'll see how these guys do. We put a chicken contest on the next month with the same same thing. And we had teams coming to us and asking us, boy, we'd really like to get into KCBS now, but we're afraid to get started. So we started a thing in March called Back to School, and it was a mentoring class. We charged these teams. We had four teams the first year. They had never cooked a KCBS class, uh, KCBS comp. And we had four teams. They paid $250 a piece. We had $200 in venue rental and insurance and stuff like that. And we matched each team up with a pro team. It was T-Max Smokers, myself, Chef's Gone Grilling, and Fox River Barbecue. And we babysat these guys through a Friday, Saturday, full KCBS co- competition cook. We had uh, KCBS judges who gave up their time to judge it. The winning team got $100, the second place team 75 50 and 25 But the big thing was the first place team got free entry into any Wisconsin comp they want, so me and the other four T3 teams actually went into our pocket for it. The next last year we did the frozen bones, we did the chicken, a lot of success with it. That's why we went to doing it again this year, and we think we're going to be doing a mentoring program in April because we've got teams asking. But between this and our classes, we've, I was told today we've, we've probably nurtured 12 to 15 teams in the last two years in the competitive barbecue that probably wouldn't have gone in because they would have shied away from it. Tim, I guess looking at it from you know my perspective as a guy who you know obviously isn't out there competing, but... you know. It almost seems to make a lot of sense, and I don't know if it happens in other places across the country, and if it doesn't, I'm not sure why it doesn't happen, uh, and maybe people just aren't willing to, to put in that effort that you and the other guys are to help mentor these teams. But you have you know teams coming to a Frozen Bones or a Choke the Chicken, and they get to kind of run through that whole process on one event or one category, and then if they're lucky enough, they do this mentoring program where they're lucky enough to sit with you or one of these other teams through the actual time frame of a competition cook so they can they can get their feet wet and feel like hey I don't have to go out and buy the $40,000 trailer and you know the $15,000 jambo and you know all of a sudden I got to get three different mortgages to to start my competition cooking hobby they can do it on a lower budget and th- and then build from there and perhaps that's kind of like you said that that's been the the bullet in the foot people might think at this stage, just to get into it, you have to be a high roller, and that's how it's portrayed and what you see on television. But it really doesn't have to be like that, does it? No. Sometimes it's just conversation, communication, and information. I mean, there's many guys, once they get on the circuit, they find out there's there's many guys cooking real successfully, and, and they've got a couple of drums, or they've got a, a Tim Shearer, for instance. I cook next, next at KOS. He's cooking on three drums. And an easy up, you know, and uh, you got guys cooking on Weber Smoky Mountains. You got guys cooking on Green Eggs. You got guys cooking on homemade pits. Everybody doesn't need a 40-foot trailer. And, you know, you watch you watch pit wars and something like that, and 
you know, granted I'm a dealer for them, but you see Myron come in with 10 guys all dressed in uniforms and a $100,000 worth of equipment and trailer, and he's going to a hotel, and you think there's no way I can compete with this, but, but you can. And, well, when, when I started and we only had four comps in the state of Wisconsin, I went to these older guys and I said, man, you know, we got to have more comps. We can't force people to travel all these, these long distances. Well, if you want more comps, you need more teams. But that also bred more judges. More judges with very few comps it meant that judges weren't judging because most of them will not travel long distances. So frozen bones and, and choke the chicken have become not only a learning ground for new teams, but a learning ground for judges. Uh, we've had some bashing in the past about Wisconsin judging and the scores being low. Uh, the first comp at death's door I think was one with a 649 this year 689 took reserve grand and, and we've got the we've got the scores up we're seating judges with we've got a couple of judges with uh, 100 to 300 comps that are overseeing it and every year we seat a couple of new judges and we allow them to this isn't a KCBS comp they can do all the table talk they want in the judges room we encourage them to talk to each other Learn what you're supposed to be looking for. Learn how to judge. And it works both ways. After our awards program, well, I'll go back a step. What we do is we have a KCBS rep, our local Wisconsin one who donates their time. KCBS judges who sit down, and they came up with a process that Buzz Dean told us about a couple of years ago where they keep notes on every entry that they, they do at Frozen Bones. At the end of the award ceremony, we open up the judges' room and the judges stay. And all those teams are allowed to go back into the judges' room, sit down at the same tables they were judged at, and say, why the hell did you give me a six here? <laughs> why did you give me a seven? And we were, we were a little leery of, about it at first. We checked everybody's guns at the door, of course. And, you know, there were some disagreements. But at the end, it was almost 100% that this is the way to do things. This is the way to get judges to understand what the cook's doing and for cooks to understand what the judges are looking for. It's like the airing of grievances at Festivus. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, were there any tense moments, or, or in the end everybody realizes that there's a greater goal at the end when you can go face-to-face -face with a judge or the judge with a cook? They all knew that there was a greater goal. They all knew that this was good for everybody. The teams that were frustrated throughout the year before got to air their grievances openly with the judge and say, you know, I did this and I did this and I did this. And the judges at the same time told them what they were looking for, you know, and, and you know, nobody is going to tell you with a comment card. It's hard enough to get a comment card when you get a six, but nobody's going to give you a comment card and say, you know, you could have scored better if it didn't taste like celery seed. You could have scored better if you didn't have so much blues hog in it. You don't hear that in a comp, but these little things really make a big difference when you're in a comp like this. Now they try to adjust it, and they come back for choke the chicken next month, and they can see where they stand. And I mean, we, like I said, we've bred 10 to 15 brand-new teams out of this. Um, I was actually shocked. I believe that we're going to run out of judges, and I'm going to be in trouble come Saturday because from the looks of what's in the mail, this may end up being 25 or 30 teams. Oh, wow. They're expecting temperatures in the single digits next Friday, next Saturday and Friday. Well, look, if you, if you are going to take part in a barbecue contest in Wisconsin, uh, east all the way to the, the ocean, for crying out loud, uh, in 
January or February or March, there's going to be a chance for snow. Sorry to tell you people. So, you know, I mean, it's just the way the ball bounces, but uh, that's going to be the, the 20th for frozen bones. And then the 19th of March for choke the chicken, correct? Yes, it is. All right. So, uh, we and, will... and, I, and I have to say, you know, you yep. can't do this without, you know, I, I don't do this by myself. Uh, like I said, some of the older teams in Wisconsin, some of those guys have retired and they don't miss anything. They come to help judge. They'll come to help clean up. But I think the biggest thing is when people told me I was not was nuts was getting sponsors behind you. You know, we're rather fortunate this year. Um, I believe we're going to have more door prizes than we have teams. Wow. Um, it's become popular. Our oldest sponsor in this, the Barbecue Superstore, uh, this year is, uh, I talked to Richard today, he's sending one pound of their new general rub to every team. He's sending another gift for a door prize, a $25 gift certificate for a door prize. They have sponsored every contest we have, as well as uh, Chef Jeff from the Culinary Institute, Chef's Gone Grilling. Uh, this year, Myron Mixon Smokers, uh, Freeman Brothers Sauce. I mean, these guys have all been there, and they support it. And, you know, you think it's a backyard contest, but it really isn't. For instance, Aubrey Freeman will be cooking ribs there at this rib contest this year. For those who don't know it, Aubrey Freeman won the World Food Championship rib contest this year right. with a perfect 180. Uh, these these aren't these are half pro teams. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of Wisconsin. We've got two teams coming from Iowa, three from Illinois, one from Minnesota. These guys, whether it be for tuning up or just to have a good time, you know, it's a hundred bucks. We uh, we start out with a continental breakfast in the morning that we put on. We have a potluck at noon. Like I said, everybody gets trophies, ribbon, money all the way down. Frozen. And uh, fantastic door prizes. So, I mean, you know. And it sounds like everybody's got a shot to win something, at least. So, I mean, uh, not a lot of contests that you go to where you're pretty much guaranteed uh, to walk out with something, whether it's a GC or a door prize or what have you. Again, Frozen Bones is going to be February 20th, so uh, week after next, or uh, weekend after this coming, and then Choke the Chicken about a month later on March 19th. Tim Shop is the pitmaster. Tim's full belly deli. Tim, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Greg. You got Have it. A good time. There he is. Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Yeah, baby. I'm telling you, and I'm not going to get no names, please, no details, please, about the phone call that Tim and I had earlier, but... You know, Tim's a really good guy. Tim uh, does a lot to foster interest in competition barbecue in his region of the country, and he does it very well. So congratulations to Tim on that. Folks, Fast Eddie's by Cook Shack Pellet Grill is a smoker and a grill all in one. 100% stainless steel wood-burning pellet-fired cooker that uses direct and indirect heat. Up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. It is the only pellet grill on the market that uses charbroiler technology. It features electronically controlled temperature to eliminate large heat fluctuations to dry and shrink meat. A pellet grill can bake, grill, roast, sear, and smoke. Cook Shack has two models of pellet grills. The PG-1000 features a fully insulated double-walled roll hood for superior heat retention, fuel savings, and maximum cooking performance. The PG-500 features a two-way swing lid, pellet drop, and utensil holder. 
The 500 to 1000 have many great features, including 784 square inches of cooking space, easy side-loading pellet hopper, fully automated wood pellet feed system, stainless steel cooking grate on the direct zone side that produce killer-looking sear marks, and a nickel-plated grill on the indirected top rack. A drip bucket, a pellet ash drawer, 100% stainless steel construction, warming drawer, 40 pounds of cook shack hickory pellets, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Cook on it all you want. Cook on it all you want. And if you don't like it before 30 days, you can give it back. You can make great barbecue for 28 days. Then you can call them and say, I don't really like it. They might offer you a replacement. They might ask you want your money back. They might ask you want a different mop. Who's giving you that? Nobody's else giving you that in the industry. It's a versatile pellet cooker that adds full flavor to your recipes, including but not limited to fajitas, ribs, chicken, steaks, desserts, sides, and large cuts of meat. It can do it all, including cold smoking. Grilling with wood pellets penetrates the food with an intense smoky flavor. When you cook with wood pellets, the fuel is consistent and the smoke more flavorful. For recipes and how-to videos, check out Cook Shack's YouTube channel or the cooking guide on their website. Give them a call at 800-423-0698 or visit their website at cookshack.com. We are back to wrap up the first hour right now. Like right now. Big name interviews. Advice. All right. Yeah, we're caught up. Yeah, we caught up. Woo. Right back on time. All right. Uh, we are going to reload for the second hour. I have to get another sparkling apple juice because it's delish. No no whiskey tonight. Sorry, Mark. Week, a weekday warrior. All right. Well, we're back right after this. This is Rennie Kanoff with ChampionshipBBQ.TV, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet before we nursed. Oh listen, Laverne, it's shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. This is the Barbecue Central show that you have found. On this show, we talk about barbecue and grilling. Yeah, that's what we do. We do it. We can do it. I would love it. That's all we talk about here. Except if you missed the first hour, you missed a whole conversation about brown liquor. Yeah, let's go drink some liquor. Mark Gillespie from Whiskey Cast joined me at 914. If you missed the first hour of the show, where were you? No problem. Show's being recorded as we speak, and you can get it on podcast starting at 1155 this evening. Still to come on the show tonight, Tim Shear from Shake and Bake Barbecue. 2015 KCBS Team of the Year in the Ribs category. 
This will continue the month-long worth of interviews with Team of the Year pitmasters for each meet. We will talk about prep. We will talk about cook. We will talk about how you finish, all the good stuff. And if you're struggling with your ribs right now or you had some issues at the tail end of last season, go ahead and bring your respective notebooks and so forth and uh, be ready for Tim Shear's in-depth look at how he got team of the year in ribs this past season. So a couple different things that I was looking to to talk about. And I'm trying to figure out what I have time for and what I know. And I think I'm going to go with this one. Of course, everybody knows that I have <laughs> that I yeah, everybody everybody knows I got a fat cat. I totally didn't even put that in the notes to talk about. Oh my god. No, he's he's the fact that uh, – here's one thing that I didn't even mention. Uh, we have a, a cat that's like – I don't know. What is he? How old is that cat? He's nine months old. He looks like just like the other cat, tuxedo-looking cat. But we noticed like in the belly area, he was kind of like whoop, 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 whoop. I thought it was just like as the cat gets older, <clears throat> bigger, that the skin just kind of dropped down and – but it, like it wasn't going away, and it didn't seem to be uh, symmetrical with his size, if you know what I mean. So uh, we were like, "Hey, maybe we should take him to the vet. Maybe he's, you know, who knows? Maybe he's got some disease. Uh, you know, who knows what's going on?" So, uh, oh my God, there's a cat! Watch out! Uh-oh. So we take. I took him to the vet the other day. And the doctor, well, I asked the tech, you know, she's taking his uh, weight and listening to the heart and all this. You know, just like a regular human goes to the doctor, right? She's like, well, I don't know if you're overfeeding or this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, he's so cute. And then the the vet comes in. Like, without batting an eyelash, was like, oh, your cat's significantly overweight. Uh I was like, what? He's like, see this? He's like, this is all fat right here. All fat. fat. By the way, happy fat, fat Tuesday to everybody. Yeah. He's like, your cat's, oh, your cat's significantly overweight. He's fat. fat. I was like, what? Isn't that normal? He's like, normal if you have a fat cat. And I was like, oh, geez. I mean, can you tone it down with the fat. in front of the cat? He's going to get a complex about being fat. And I don't want that. I don't want the cat in the first place, let alone having a cat that's got a fat. problem. Who needs it? Not me. Oh, that cat is now on a restricted diet of like 225 calories, split in half once in the morning and once it's so like 125 calories uh, once in the morning and then once again at night to reduce the fat. 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 Wow. No, Matt, I did not get I I was able to rebuff the uh the diet food. I was able to rebuff that. I was like, no, get it away. I was not able to rebuff the fact that the vet called my cat fat. fat. He did. Damn it. 
So, I mean, the last three days, that guy's hungry. He eats all the food, all 125 calories in about 125 seconds because he's fat. fat. But he's losing it. It'll be all right, kitten. By the way, again, happy fat. Tuesday. I don't know what that means, but Mardi Gras and all this stuff and people are, oh, yeah, man, it's Fat. Tuesday. It's Fat. Tuesday. Yeah, happy Fat. Tuesday to you. Well, happy Fat. Tuesday to you as well, sir. All right. Yeah. All right. Let me get this ready. Everybody knows how much I love the McRib. Uh-oh. Never. I did find somebody that loves the McRib. Like. Wow, she loves it. Let me get rid of Tim Shop here. Okay, and oh no, I need me, but I need the background. All right, I'm gonna put me off in the side here because you got to see this lady. She's great. This lady loves McRib, like loves the McRib so much so that she's willing to punch McDonald's people in the face over McRib. Sorry, in the throat. Just sit back and enjoy this. Oh, wait. I can't play it. <laughs> I got to play it here. Just sit back and enjoy this. I have an announcement to make to y'all, to the people of America. To the people of America? Can we please? Okay, let me run this right back. Look at this delight. To y'all. Look at this delight. People of America. Look at the hair. Is this real hair? This lady is a vision. I was at this here McDonald's on Dorset. It's uh, Monday night. I was just disrespected in there. Uh Almost got in a fight with the gal in there. Disrespected? Disrespected? Uh Oh. Oh, no. It can't get any better from here. First of all, my first issue yes. is the drive-through was filled all the way up, and I had to walk inside. What? The drive-through was filled all the way up. Oh no! What's McDonald's thinking, doing business and getting customers? And Marie was in line. It was filled up. F-I-L-T. Filt up. So then I'm, you know, I'm already mad because I got to get out my car and go inside. Right. So I go inside. I politely say, hey, uh, can I have a McRib meal? Large size with the Dr. Pepper. What? And the lady said, well, okay, uh, that'd be six, 658. When did McRib sandwich cost 658? What? Even McRib pork is going through the roof. Sorry, I digress. Said, ain't you forgetting something? Ma'am. And she said, well, what? I said, you're supposed to offer me the extra McRib for a dollar when you buy the McRib meal. What? You ain't going to believe it. She looked up and down. And she said, well, don't look like you need the extra McRib. Excuse me, bitch. I throat punched that bitch. I knocked her ass down. Yes. So if you come to the Dorset McDonald's 
and you see a lady named Charlene in there, tell a Carla sent you. Right. And then you throw puncher, or puncher in the cooter. I don't give a damn. What? Uh -oh. This is against my <laughs> civil rights. No, it's not. Fuck you, Whoa, McDonald's. That's right. Not all the other ones. I like all the other ones. Right. I like all the other ones, she said. Not Dorset. I like all the other ones. Yeah, of course you do. I know you, honey, I know you love McDonald's. Anybody going to McRib? Anybody going to McRib? We got trouble. We need to have a counseling session in the worst way. Next week at this time, we may just have a revisit of in-studio guest, Sheriff Corey. Yeah! By the way, happy birthday to Corey. Yesterday was his birthday. Deputy Corey. Love Deputy Corey. Tim Shear coming up next, who hopefully will not be throat-punching anybody over his rib stuff. However, I cannot make any promises. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about Butcher Barbecue. Holy moly. There's four new rubs out, folks. That's right, four new rubs. You got to go to ButcherBBQ.com and check them all out. While you're out there checking the new rubs, check out the grilling oils. Yeah, baby! You know, I say it that not every week, but when I talk about the grilling oils, I do get a little impassioned because I think it's a game-changing product. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, first of all, three different flavors. You got the Chipotle, you have the Steakhouse, you have the Butter Flavor. Personally, I love the Butter Flavor. I think you can use it in almost every scenario that you would normally use butter. If you're a competitive barbecue cook or you like to impart competition techniques in your home barbecue cooking you know what's very popular what do you always see on television blue bottle parquet squeeze butter all that here's the problem you got to keep that stuff refrigerated right excuse me as Lorraine just said you got to keep it refrigerated not the grilling oil grilling oil has been engineered specifically to be shelf stable what does that mean it means if you cook with it at the stove, you can just leave it out there on the countertop. So now it's always visible. You're not going to forget. Like I said, for me, out of sight, out of mind. Might be a great product, but if it's in the cupboard and I don't specifically need it, I'm not going to think about it. It's going to sit up there until I specifically think I need it again to go get it. The grilling oil can sit right there on the counter. You can use it at the stove. You can take it out to the grill or the smoker. You can leave it out there. It's not going to rot. It's not going to get rancid. It's not going to do any of that. Not, you don't need to keep it in a cooler of its own ice along with the beer. Shelf stable. It wins. That makes it a top-notch product, hands down. You don't have to store it in a refrigerator, in an ice chest, or bring it with you. Keep it in the passenger seat for long trips and drink out of it. You'll thank me later. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Again, don't forget to take a look and buy the new rubs, four new rubs, the uh, bird boosters, the prime injection, the beef injection, the pork injection, the open pit injection for the uh, for the pork as well. You can use the different injections on different meats. It doesn't have to be specific. 
to brisket or, you know, you know what it is. It's ButcherBBQ.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with Tim Shear. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is being brought to you by me. Yeah, going into my own pocket for this one. Damn right. I'm giving back to the show myself. Oh, look what I did. Damn it. I just minimized a sheet that I was not supposed to minimize. But luckily, through the magic of Google, it reappears. My next guest is your 2015 World Heavyweight Champion when it comes to KCBS in the ribs category. And uh, here to share the ribs along with other stuff is the pitmaster of Shake and Bake Barbecue. Tim Shear joins me here on the show. Tim, how are you, buddy? Good, Greg, but you blew it, brother. Dude, you're the tallest you're the tallest man in barbecue. Yeah, but you missed the intro, dude. I'm going by Rib King now. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. The 2015 <laughs> Rib King. God, if I had a horn and honk you already, brother. I know. Jeez, okay. <laughs> so here's the uh, – you can't see it because you're probably not watching it. But for everybody on the video side, you have this really great like uh, silhouette graphic logo thing. Tallest man in barbecue, 2015 Rib King. Hashtag ICP. <laughs> Which stands for insane yeah. can posse. Have you been contacted by uh, legal channels to not be so close to insane clown posse, or are they like big <laughs> fans and they buy the cookers too? No, I don't know. I don't know if I buy them or not, but no, we haven't been contacted, so that's yeah. a good thing. They're too busy rolling on meth because they're kooks, nevertheless. <laughs> I guess so. So yeah. can you can you put specific claim to being tallest man in barbecue? What makes you think that you're the tallest man in barbecue? I don't know, man. I just check it out everywhere I go, every contest I go. There was a guy at the Royal that, that was uh, up around my eyes, and he made me a little bit nervous, but I had him. We had an official measurement, and that was still clear, so oh. all was good. What's your, uh, what are you tipping the height scales at these days? <laughs> right around six foot seven. Six foot seven. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you ever played basketball or anything like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Played in high school and college. So. Where'd you play in college? Played at Southeast Missouri. State. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> kind of. All right, so uh, Tim Shearer is the uh, rib king of uh, 2015 for KCBS, uh, number one in the rib category. So let's get into uh, the rib stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, might as well dig right in. Yeah, so uh, by the way, I've switched uh, virtual sets, and now we're looking at this incredibly awesome Rib King jacket, uh, I guess before we get into the, the prep stuff that you do for ribs. Uh, how was the, the Rib King jacket born? How was the genesis of this thing? Yeah, it was, um, I'm not sure exactly when it started, but um, I think I was up at the KCBS banquet. I think Pigskin uh, won it that year. I'm not sure if that's the first one or not, but, you know, I sat there and you know, whispered over to my wife was like i want that damn jacket you know so it took me a couple of years but but we finally got it would you say the jacket is as cool or as sturdy as a styrofoam cooler yeah i mean it's the best thing i've ever ever put on by far 
How sturdy is a styrofoam cooler, by the way? <laughs> yeah, you've been talking to Wisconsin, haven't you? <laughs> Man, I got them in all all places of the country, Tim. Uh, all right, so oh let's get God. into the uh, the the rib prep stuff here. So, you know, mm-hmm. is it spares or or baby backs for shake and bake? Um, it was spares. It was cut spares all year. Was there was there a point when you were doing baby backs, or has it always been you know spares right along the line for you guys? Um, you know what? Years ago, I did baby backs. Um, you know, almost every time, probably two or three years ago, I did. But um, you know, ever since I switched to the drum smoker, I've been doing spares. Do you find that the that the spares cook better in that kind of an environment versus the baby backs? Huh? You know, I think you could do both, but I think the, uh, you know, the drum smoker loves the high fat content for sure, especially the way we do it hot and fast. I mean, um, the more marbling, the better, no doubt. When it comes to, uh, you know, for, for years and years, people would go to BJ's or uh, Sam's club or Costco and they're buying like IBP pork and, you know, like the kind of like mm-hmm. commodity ribs, if you will. And, a lot of people, I think, probably still still go to that, but uh, you know, you see the the run on the wagyu brisket side of things, and of course, you're hearing more and more about specialty pork and Berkshire heritage stuff and the compart and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use like a, I guess what would be turned a specialty rib, or are you still more on the commodity side? Um, you know, I like the nine dollar slabs from Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> already already no injected. Yeah, yeah. Brine for your protection. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I really do. Uh, you know, I love the uh, Compart ribs. You know, they picked us up this year as a new uh, sponsored team, and and uh, you know, so we've been messing with those here in the off season and everything. And and man, if you like bacon, those things are like bacon on a stick. I mean, they're just delicious when you when you cook them, especially hot and fast. I mean, I think they just they thrive when you cook them fast like that. And um, you know, you can you can sit there and watch them sizzle like you're cooking a slab of bacon or something like that. And it's just it's just flavor, man, and it's um, it really is. It's bacon on a stick. Those things are great. Is that really the flavor profile in a rib that you, that you want to turn into the judges, like bacon on a stick, or do you want more of that porky rib flavor that people are accustomed to? Yeah, I think you want a you want a good balance for sure. I mean, um, you know, when we cook, we're we're looking for you know sweet, savory, and a little bit of heat at the end. I mean, there's no doubt you don't want you want to swing right down the middle. Um, you know, I told the class this week, you know, last, this past weekend, it was at our, at our shop. We had a, a group of uh, 30 guys in there and stuff. And, and I told them, you know, you don't want a judge to say, oh my gosh, it's great, but it's sweet. You want, you don't want to say it's a little spicy. You want them to say, wow, it's good. It's a good rib, you know? So, um, you know, that's what we swing for right down the pipe. And, um, you know, if we foul off each, you know, either direction, we're going to get dinged. How many racks are you typically cooking for a competition, Tim? You know, that's the cool thing about the way we do it. We're um, we're actually hanging the ribs in, in the drum vertically. We used to lay them down flat and do the old burn and turn method. But, but, you know, the problem was I could only do, you know, four slabs basically. So, you know, this year we started, um, actually late last summer we started hanging them. And now we can do anywhere from six to eight slabs uh, per, you know, per contest on one drum. So, and that, and that helped me a lot, you know, this year, I think, um, I like to limit it to six usually, but, um, you know, it gives you a little bit more margin for error, I guess. And, uh, you know, if you get a, a bone blown out or just something crazy happening, uh, you got a few more options. 
Tim Shear joining me here on the show, 2015 Team of the Year in the KCBS, uh, the Rib King, as uh, he has termed it, uh, from Shake and Bake Barbecue. Uh, in, in regards to trimming of the ribs, uh, Tim, do you do anything special? You just remove the membrane, or do you take out, you know, like the, the, the bone on either side? How do you work that? Yeah, I mean, I just cut, um, you know, we typically buy a St. Louis cut, but, you know, we always have to trim them down a little bit, remove the membrane. Um, you know, just trim them, trim them up, make them look nice. Basically, we want them even uh, from one end to the other, not too, not too thick, not too thin. I mean, there's got to be a nice balance there. And then, uh, you know, like the main thing I said, I'm looking for is is the uh, high fat content, the marbling. You know, that's the key to key to keeping a moist rib. Tim, do you use a different rub for your ribs that you use on your pork shoulders? I use a lot of the same rubs, actually. Yeah, I mean. Um, you know, we definitely roll out the West Coast offense on our ribs and pork. Um, you know, it's been our go-to uh, go-to deal for the last two years, basically. Even before we came a uh, you know West Coast offense team, we were using the Sweet Money and the and the pecan rub. And actually, this year I was uh, I was I got into the spicy apple rub basically halfway through the season. My ribs seemed to go flat. We were nailing them at the beginning of the year, and and. Um, you know, that spicy apple just saved me towards the end. It really gave them, the, you know, the, the back end heat that they needed. Do you use any kind of an adherent on the meat before you put your rub on? Some guys will, you know, do the mustard slather. Uh, I actually am a little partial to the Worcestershire bath uh, prior, and some guys do, like, water spray or whatever. you use any kind of adherent? No, I don't do anything. No, I just go right at it, put the rub on there, let it set up for, you know, 30 minutes or so and, and make it sweat into the meat and, and put them on. Do you do any of like letting the, the ribs come up to a, a room temperature prior to putting them on the cook or anything like that? Or is that like a bad idea? I don't know. That's a bad idea. I don't necessarily do that. Um, you know, I wake up at six thirty in the morning and start cooking. I, I get the ribs out around seven. Uh, my daughter usually rub puts the rubs on them at uh seven thirty or so. And we put them on at eight I and mean, it's pretty easy. Pretty, fairly simple process, actually. It's probably one of the one of the most simple uh, meat categories that I do. Have you ever gotten into or, or experimenting in the brining and or injecting of the ribs? I mean, certainly injecting has become incredibly popular. It was a time during the genesis of my show, Tim, where some people were doing only the injection of pork butts but not injecting briskets. And, of course, now most of the teams are probably – injecting both and i've heard injecting of chickens are you doing any injecting of the ribs or brining of the ribs or ever messed around with that you know i didn't this year um i honestly think i was i don't know if i was one of the first ones that started injecting ribs you know several years ago but uh, 2012 we had a great rib season back then you know the first year we started cooking on the drum smokers and everything and uh we ended up winning the royal that year and everything and they were uh, and they were injected ribs really you know we, we did the old burn and turn back then and Cooked them hot and fast in about two hours and 15 minutes. And, and uh, you know, we had a great season that year. We didn't cook enough to really be in the points race. But uh, I think we cooked maybe 18 contests or something like that. But, um, you know, ended up hitting it to Royal. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm a fan of it, no doubt about it. I mean, So um, are, are you lifting the – do you, do you, like, tilt the rack up, uh, you know, so it's uh, so it's not flat but almost like a, a vertical and then you, you go down with the meat, like, through – following the bone to yeah, inject? Yeah, I mean, if I was injecting, I would just do it in between each bone is what I did. I just, you know, slide it all in and then inject on the way out, I mean, in between each bone. I mean, wow. um, 
you know, I didn't want to go overboard with it because it is a, you know, it's a small bite there, but, um, yeah, we did that for, uh, you know, at least two years we were doing that. Is there any other preparational items that you're doing before they hit the cooker? Or is that, you know, pretty much what we've covered so far? No, that's it. Honestly. I mean, we would, you know, I'd buy the ribs and, and open them up, uh, Saturday morning and, and start working. All right, so uh, as we move into the cooking session here, Tim, and by the way, we're talking with Tim Shear from Shake and Bake Barbecue 2015, Rib King for KCBS. Uh, obviously, uh, no surprise, you're using uh, gateway drum smokers. You got it, yep. Right. Uh, how far in advance do you, you get those things fired up? Do you use a, a separate cooker for those, or do you always have, do you already have one from like yeah. bigger meats or what? No, I like to use um, you know one one drum for each category. Um, I used to do three last year, but, you know, we switched to, an, to another one this year. But um, so we light our drums. Our, our big meats go on at, uh, you know, I light the drums at 630 and the meat goes on at 645. So, you know, it happens pretty quickly. Um, and then the ribs, like I said, we'll light it at 730 and uh, put the ribs on at 8. What kind of a target temp are you looking to keep in the cooker for making sure the ribs turn out the way you want? I don't know, man. I just try to look and make sure smoke's coming out. I mean, I really don't worry about that too much. I mean, if it's hot, I turn it down. If it's if it's cold, I turn it up. I mean, um, I don't know. Do, do you have uh, thermometers on the cookers? <laughs> I do, but I think most of them are broke, so I don't uh, pay attention to them. Yeah, anymore. so is it just like, uh, you, so you can tell pretty much, this is going to sound weird, but for the people that, that know, uh, I'm, I'm not that much of an idiot. Can you tell by the velocity of how the smoke is coming out of the exhaust? Is to kind yeah, of I mean that's it? exactly what I do. You know, we teach this at our class. I mean, I I try to you know preach not to rely on instruments. You know, and I, I can't stand being beat at. You know what I mean? It stuff's deep and <laughs> you know those timers and all that. I mean, it just drives me absolutely crazy. So you know, I like to cook with my senses. I want to smell what's what's happening. I want to look at the velocity of the smoke coming out and the color of the smoke. Um, I mean, I, you know, feel the dang thing for God's sake if you think it's too hot. You know, I mean, um, you know, that's how I like to cook. You know, you know, and I'm active. I'm in in and out of the cooker. I, um, you know, I probably do a lot of things that people think is wrong, but that's my style and that's the way I like to do it. I mean, you know, like I said, there's there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just you know finding what works for you. What kind of wood flavor do you use for smoke for ribs? Yeah, hey, I'd like to use. Uh, you know, I use a blue hog natural lung lump charcoal and then i use a couple of chunks of pecan wood on mine i think it's real nice and mild you know i don't want to overpower i probably use two two small chunks if they're probably an inch you know two inches by two inches i don't you know i don't use much wood at all if you're cooking with the hang method uh at some point are you taking them all off and foiling or does that pretty much prohibit you from foiling or do you change up the cook at that process how do you how do you do that yeah, what you do, you know, I hang them for, for a couple hours, and then once I get the color and, and the tenderness that I want after that, um, I'll actually take the, the hanging rack out and put the, the normal grate back in, and then we'll, you know, we'll wrap them in foil and everything and put them back on for another, you know, half hour to an hour until they're tender. Uh, in that foil, do you add, like, the traditional uh, parquet and honey and brown sugar? Do you have, you know, some other concoction Not, that you found that works? Yeah, I don't put any of those in there. Nothing. But, uh, I do have, yeah, none of that. I do have a concoction that I that I use. Um, you know, that I'd rather not not display right now. But um, you know, none of that. Going against the grain. Look who's number one. Right. Yeah. That's right. Suck yeah. it. Um, yeah. 
How long do you keep them wrapped for? Do you have like a determined amount of time at that point? Yeah, I mean, it's typically half an hour to an hour, just depending on basically how hot. Um, you know, I just do it all, and I do that by feel. I pick them up, you know, open it up every once in a while and, and pick up the rack and see how see how limber they are. You know, I just want to want to get to a certain feel, and then and I pull them off, and I'll let them rest in the camera until it's turning time. So, are you know, at that point, as you said, when they're, when they're ready and you pick it up, and that was another question I had, but you kind of mm-hmm. dovetailed right into it nicely, so I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you set a do you set any glaze or uh, any kind of a sauce as you take them off the cooker, or or do you not set any kind of sauce, mm-hmm. or is that something right before you put them in a box? Yeah, right. You know, like I said, I'll, I'll take them off and let them rest in the camber until it's turning time, and then and then right after chicken, you know, right after I hand the chicken in, I get right into the ribs. I'll, um, I should take them back out to the cooker and I leave them in the foil, but I do, you know, I do set the sauce and, um, you know, we've had the best luck with, with straight blues hog right out of the jar. I mean, every time it seemed like we hit first, um, it was just straight blues hog right out of the jar, which everybody thinks is, you know, probably crazy. You've always got to doctor it up, but, um, but that's what's worked for us. I mean, any other cooking items that we haven't covered that you do <laughs> cooking items? Um, yeah. Let's see. Run a fan. Couple beers in between. I mean, that's about it. You uh, you drank bourbon? <laughs> no, no. What? Get off my show! <laughs> this was the whiskey first hour, man. Come on, you got to lie a little no. bit. Uh, what no. kind of beer right, do you drink? Coors Light. Oh, this won't slow you down, right? No, stay going. All right, so uh, there's your cooking, uh, and then in, in regards to post cook or, or turning. Uh, what do you guys use for garnish in the box? You guys, parsley guys, uh, lettuce guys. What do you? What are you? Uh, we do a parsley box. Uh, well, I should say I, we do. Um, I'm actually fortunate enough. I own a landscaping company. You know, it's my regular job. And I had I had a, uh, a girl that works for me, and she used to be a flower ranger. So she saw me doing that parsley. I was like, you know, what do you think of this? She goes, oh, that's easy. You know, so she jumped right in and. Um, she made every one of my boxes this year and, and did an awesome job. So really, um, pretty fortunate to have that as a, uh, a resource. That's for sure. We do the old flip once we get to the contest, double flip. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. let me see here looking at, the, Oh, uh, so when you're, after you've, uh, sauced and you know, you're now you're really going for the cuts. Uh, do you try and run off of the same slab or are you just laying them all out and you will literally piece, you know, two or three from this and one from this one and, and one, from, how are you picking out your, your cuts? Yeah. You know, typically I'll get, um, you know, I like to use two slabs basically, you know, uh, fill up the box, but you know, you could put about 10 bones in there if everything works out. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, for the most part, I like to have, you know, five on, from one slab and five from another on top, but, um, you know, there are occasions where you need to swap one out on the bottom. You can kind of get by with that, but, um, you know, the top row is typically from one rack, you know, it goes, goes together and, um, you know, looks better and everything. Will you, uh, Cadillac cut, uh, ribs or do you just do single bones? No, I just do single bones. Um, I never have, you know, really tried to Cadillac or whatever, but, um, you know, just you know, single bones, all we ever do. Tim, uh, last question here before uh, we we get into some other stuff and we hit a quick break. Do, do you think outside uh, outside of competition, do you think the majority of the general public has any idea what a what a good rib really is? 
Oh man, I don't. I mean, I don't know for sure. Outside of outside of a barbecue contest, I mean, I would say it's different than what we turn in to the to the judges. I mean, I wouldn't say it's you know when I mean, we turn in a good rib, no doubt about it. But it's just you know what I would like to eat or what people might want to eat at, at home is is probably quite a bit different. You know, I'd say it's less less sweet possibly and. Um, but who knows? I mean, what is a good rib? I don't know. Everybody has their own opinion, I guess. Well, it's not falling off the bone like meat mush, right? Uh-oh. That's gross. <laughs> that's, I hope not. Yeah, that's I mean, what Damon's is serving it. people, and you, yeah. you hear people say, oh, it's not fall off the bone. <laughs> I mean, there is a little bit of uh, integrity that needs to remain on the rib, I think. Well, I would agree. You know, no doubt about it. Like I said, I mean, you know, as far as judging and KCBS goes. I mean, we know the guidelines, but um, when it comes to the backyard or what your neighbor likes, I don't know what he, you know, it might be fault alone for them. Tim Shear joining me here on the show. All right, Tim, I'm going to put you on hold here just for a second, and uh, we're going to come back and talk about some burning items in barbecue in general. But first, I'm going to talk about Big Papa Smokers, the one stop online shop. For anyone interested in barbecue, that's right, the number one dealer of Mac pellet grills in the world, Big Papa Smokers features a wide selection of American-made grills and smokers, such as the Old Hickory Ace BP, the Gateway Drum Smoker. Even a drum kit gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has also made a name for itself in recent years by crafting an award-winning line of championship rubs. From flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending, their rubs have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition. Don't think that they can be pigeonholed into competitive barbecue either alone. No. BPS rubs have become so well-known, they've been picked up by a nationwide restaurant chain. BJ's Restaurant and Brew House, with four of the nine rubs on their permanent menu, and amid glowing reviews, BPS is certain to be a proven addition, a proven great addition, no less, to anyone's pantry. Also, they have banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue, begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive coats from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa's website also features that online meat locker with top-quality meats from Snake River Farms shipped right to your door from the American Kobe Beef the Kurbuda Pork, the Double R Ranch Meats, Big Papa's Meat Locker has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. Continuing to bring you the best flavors on the market, look for the new sauces and rubs that they might be bringing to you this year in 2016. And they've also created the brand ambassador program that everybody talks about, the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Again, the website, bigpapasmokers.com. That's bigpapasmokers.com. All right, uh, we are back with Tim Shear from Shake and Bake Barbecue to talk about some uh, barbecue and grilling stuff in general. Stick around. We'll be right back. Seven seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now here's your host, Greg Rampy. All right, welcome back. Tim Shear joins me here on the show. 
are going over, or we just went over in depth his uh, whole rib thing. So if you missed it, too bad. I I didn't even record that part of it. You had to be here live. Uh, you've lost. Sorry. First time I've ever done it. Uh, Tim, let's go ahead and uh, talk about some other things in regards to like barbecue and grilling uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I guess isn't necessarily related to the, the rib victory of, of 2015. But I guess, you know, let me, before we get away from that altogether, let me ask you, what does it mean to you to be 2015 rib king for KCBS? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. Like I said, you know, a couple of years ago when we saw, you know, Scott and those guys up on stage at the, at the uh, awards banquet, you know, I was like, man, I want that jacket. You know, I mean, that's just what, what, what I kept thinking. And, and uh, you know, we went for it for the last couple of years, kind of, you know, not necessarily for, for Riz, but just, you know, we've, we've been pushing hard and doing a lot of contests and everything. And, um, you know, and it doesn't really sink in throughout the year. And, and, you know, Drew, who, you know, hogtied, he won it last year. He kept calling me halfway through the year. Hey man, what's your jacket size? I was like, there's no way I'm giving you my jacket size until this dang thing is over. You know, I was like, so, I mean, you know, we don't take anything for granted. I mean, I feel like we've, you know, we put in a lot of work and, and ran a lot of miles and that's, you know, basically that's what it takes to, to compete and, um, you know, and, and run for the team of the year. So, you, you know, it's just, it's been an awesome year, you know, not only for our team, but for a lot of our friends um, around us. I mean, with the smoking hills and the and outlaw hogs winning like they did this year. I mean, honestly, and Brad winning chicken team of the year. I mean, I think it's just been a great barbecue year in general for us. So, you know, we're, you know, Terry and I and the girls, I mean, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun and we've been, you know, extremely appreciative of all the, all the help and support that, that we get, you know? So I was going to say, you know, aside from the barbecue success, you know, the business side of it or the gateway drum smoker has, you know, really seen quite a bit of success, especially last year. You had American Royal Invitational, Smoking Hills. You have uh, Sam's Club, Nationals, Outlaw Hawks. You have uh, World Food Championships, again, the Smoking Hills, uh, you know, overall, of course. Uh, Chicken Team of the Year getting basted. And then, of course, uh, you have you guys Team of the Year for Shake and Bake. So if I don't think there was ever a doubt that the UDS cooker was popular in certain areas, but this really seems to have legitimized that cooker as being, you know, not just part of an arsenal, but could be the only cooker or cookers that you need to make a team get out there and win. Right. And I, I mean, I feel like we, you know, with all those wins, it's, it's hard to argue that at this point, um, you know, and, and once again, I've just, you know, we, we've been so grateful for all the teams that have actually, you know, embraced that, you know, and, and, and have taken it seriously. I mean, um, you know, to, to, uh, throw out all the principles, principles that anybody has ever known about barbecue as far as low and slow and, and offset and this and that, I mean, you know, we're cooking direct we're cooking hot and fast and, um, you, you know, and, and thankfully it's working and, you know, I'm just glad the teams are buying into it and, and, you know, because without these excellent cooks, you know, using our products, it wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be where, where we're at with the drums and everything. So, you know, it's not just a smoker, it's the combination of the cooker and, you know, and the, you know, the pit master. So it's, um, you know, like I said, it's been a lot of fun and, you know, I mean, I was so happy when, when Alla Hawks won that Sam's club, I mean. I think I dropped the, I was trying to video it and I'm pretty sure I dropped it or whatever, but, um, you know, just stuff like that makes it all worthwhile. I mean, 
you know, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather see them guys win and sell another cooker or whatever it takes. You know I mean? It's one of those things where you're, where, you know, you, you, know, you, you compete all year long for that jacket. You know what I mean? It's, and it's, it just makes it worthwhile. From from a business perspective, uh, having the year and the teams win on the on the Gateway Drum Smokers, have you seen uh, a noticeable uptick in sales from you know previous years, or uh, you know where are you at from from you know the, the revenue side? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, the last you know this fall was 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 awesome for us. I mean, um, you know, especially in the competition world, it's just been it's just been um, you know it's kicking pretty good. You know, we're doing a lot of custom. Um, colors and team logos and stuff like that, which is fun. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun for us. We get to interact with the guys and, you know, help them, you know, design their logo or whatever it takes, you know, to make it happen. And, and, you know, you see, you see how happy they are when they get it. And, um, you know, that, that just makes it a lot of fun to do. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable and, and, um, you know, hopefully we just keep going and, and do the best we can with it. Um, you, you know, and I think we, you know, we want to move into more of the backyard market. I think it's a great cooker for the backyarder or the beginner. I mean, it's, it's an easy, affordable way to get into competition barbecue, you know, for somebody. So, um, you, you know, so that's what we've always been about. Remote, you know, we started cooking barbecue for the fun of it and for the, for the people involved. And, you know, it's always been great people. So, um, you know, hopefully we can, we can help, uh, help more people get, you know, get into it. In regards to distribution and sales for you guys, is it mostly online or, or do you have, you know, mom and pop shops that will order, you know, a, a handful of these to have out on the floor? And, you know, it seems to me that I mean, there certainly isn't like a plethora of these stores out there, but when they are, you know, folks that are going in there, they want to do the touchy feely or maybe they want to see the guy on the weekend, fire him up and, and see what kind of product is being produced out of these things. What kind of a, what kind of a, a distribution thing do you guys have? Yeah, I mean, we've got a little bit of both. Um, you know, probably number one is online for sure still. Um, you know, we've got several different websites to carry in. Big Papa Smokers was one of the first uh, or the first, you know, online store to, to pick us up. So, you know, that, that helps. And then, um, you know, around the KC area and in the Midwest area, I guess I should say, um, you know, there's a handful of, uh, you know, barbecue specialty type stores that are carrying them right now. Tim Shear joins me here on the show, uh, Pitmaster Shake and Bake Barbecue, uh, Gateway Drum Smokers as well. Uh, Tim, let me transition a little bit out of the, the business side here, and I guess this is business mm-hmm. too, but uh, barbecue classes, you're putting on a class, you have uh, some seats left for your February 27th class in Kansas City. Is this like yeah, a, we do. a tell-all type thing, or do you, are you holding some stuff? Look, if, if, I, if I was successful and uh, somebody was like, uh, hey, you should give a class. I'd be like, uh, F you. I know what's winning. I want to win my face off until I can't win anymore, and then that's it. And then right. when I retire and die, I'll bequeath all my recipes, uh, you know, in posterity. But, um, right. you know, what are you guys doing in class? Yeah, I would do that too if I was smart. But um, <laughs> so, so uh, Brad and I, you know, Brad was getting basic. Uh, he and I team have teamed up, and, and you know, we're giving – Tell all classes. I mean, we, we spill it all, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's, if I'm going to do it and tell you, I'm going to tell it all, you know, you're getting it. And, and, uh, we've given two so far and I think they've gone over great. Um, you know, hopefully everybody's got their money's worth. I, I feel like they have, um, you know, the first contest, uh, after we gave one, 
you know, one of the guys won one GC there. And I was just like, you know, that's, that's freaking cool. You know, I mean, it's, it, that makes it worthwhile too. So, um, you know, we've got one more coming up. Um, but, uh, we're, we're doing it up in Kansas city this time or, or just, uh, West of Kansas city. It's on February 27th. So we've got about 10 seats available for that one yet, I think, or just under 10 probably. But, um, so yeah, it's February 27th. And then after that, we're, we're probably just going to do a handful of just smaller, like backyard style classes and stuff around, around our store and just, you know, at different barbecue stores. I know Brad's done a couple down in Springfield and, and uh, we've got one coming up in, uh, in St. Louis as well. Do, do the classes help kind of fund the the competing of, of barbecue? Because, uh, you know, as much as I try and talk about it and, and make sure that people are aware, you know, if you're getting into competition barbecue to make a lot of money, you know, sorry, uh, that, that's hard to do. Yeah. A lot of expense yeah, there. Wrong, wrong sport. Yeah. yeah. So does this help uh, you guys kind of uh, easier? I'm going to use a, a non-English word, easierly fund uh, the, the competition side of things. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. You know, I've had people come up and say, wow, that's a great payday, you know. And it is a great payday, but, you know, you work all year to to be eligible to, uh, you know, to to have that payday, I guess, you know. Um, you can't just get out of bed and say, I'm going to go to the class and 30 people show up. I mean, it takes a ton of work and, and dedication and, and some luck, you know, to win and everything. So, um, you know, we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to kind of help offset some of the costs because, you know, it takes a lot throughout the season and you know it's definitely not a money maker by any means for us but but it does keep us going and everything uh are you going to be competing at the blues hog barbecue music fest no i won't um i'm going to be taking out the trash and, and giving ice bags to people and stuff like that so you're putting so, it on um yeah we're we're helping out with the um, promotion of it and everything um we've got a, a a great volunteer down there mary beth hopper she's been working her butt off and, and um, getting everything together for us down in Jackson, Tennessee. Um, that's on April 1st and 2nd. You know, we've had 51 teams last year. Um, great prize prize purse, $15,000. So um, I think we've got around 25 teams right now. We're looking to get up to around 50 again. So uh, if any of available that weekend, that'd be should be a good time, that's for sure. Something I'm seeing a lot about on Facebook is uh, – and, and I guess I don't usually see a big buzz over charcoal, but I've been seeing a lot of people posting about blues hog charcoal. Uh, what can right. you tell me about this? Is this the um, end all be all of charcoal or, or is it like, well, uh, I don't know that. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's locally made in Missouri, oh, wow. um, you know, family owned operations, stuff like that, you know, um, but to me it, it burns hot and it burns clean. You know, when we're cooking in drum smokers, I want a hot, clean fire. I don't want a bunch of, you know, stink or smoke or whatever, you know, because everything is so intense. So, you know, we just want a nice, clean fire. And if I want flavor, I'll get it from the wood, you know, and it, you know, it seems to do that for us. And a lot of other teams have been using it and having great success with it too. Is it something that's just available like in your area or like one of those online things too, where you can kind of get it shipped to you or is it like, is it worth that? Or if you can just pick it up, physically it's it's better to do it that way right you know it's hard to ship a couple bags but you know we can ship pallets pretty easily and, and um it's up it's available over around kansas city and you know several other places you know like i said we've been getting going with i think barbecue island out in arizona is carrying it stuff like that so. uh 
I know you're like uh, always finger on the pulse guy of, you know, new sauces that might be coming out this season. Uh, have you heard of anything or are you excited about any new sauces hitting the market this year? Um, not that I know of, but you know, as far as loose sauce goes, I mean, there's, there's four new sauces in the works right now. Uh, Bill and I have been working on those and then, um, you know, some other pretty neat products too, that should be coming out, you know, fairly soon that we're, you know, that we're really excited about. So I guess stay tuned for that. <laughs> Tim, are you surprised at the longevity and continued success that traditional blues hog has had and really had a stronghold or has a stronghold over the competition scene still? I'm not really surprised just because of how, how good the flavor is and, and everything. I mean, um, you know, it's carried itself. I mean, throughout so many years, it hasn't been a lot of marketing or anything else, you know, that has gone along yeah. with it. Oh. So I feel like that says a lot, you know, says a lot for it. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, what's good is good. I mean, I've had judges say, I've never had blue hog before, you know, right after this judge the contest, I'm like, well, you probably had six trays of it. So I'll tell you, know, I don't even know it, but you know, and then I had judges say, all we ever tasted blue hog. We're tired of it, whatever. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know that any of that's really the case. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, it's just like, like any piece of barbecue, if it's good, it's good. You know I mean? Um, you know, I'll run the same recipe, exact same process, everything one week and, and maybe the meat didn't turn out as good. You know I mean? It, it's not good. You know, and the next week I'll do the exact same process and it'll turn out great. Best I've ever had, you know, and, I, you know, and, and that's the thing. If I could pinpoint the differences or whatever, you know, right there, you know, everybody, you know, you win every time or whatever, but that's just, you know, all, every meat's different. Every, every, every time you do it is different. So, um, you know, you just want to do as many reps as you can and get as close as you can and, and hopefully that it, that it works out. Tim, when does the uh, 2016 title defense for uh, Shake and Bake start? <laughs> um, I don't know if there's going to be a big title defense, but we're going to we're going to do as many as we can. We've got a super busy, you know, spring and, and schedule coming up. I mean, you know, but we're going to compete. Hopefully, at some cool places that we want to travel to, and, and the neat, you know, some of the neater events. Uh, I don't know if we're going to try to kill ourselves over it this year, but. Um, you know, the first contest we're going to is the guinea pig out in, in, in California coming up in a couple of weeks. And, you know, we're really excited about that. And I know that's been a hot topic, the guinea pig contest. And I just want to say that, you know, as, as a competitor, I'm, I'm a big fan of the process of that. I mean, if you guys knew how much time we spend running around looking for meat and, and, you know, grocery store hopping one, you know, didn't have, I got to go to the next, you know, just before we ever even get to the contest. I mean, it's a day or two ahead of time. We're doing that kind of stuff. And, and for, you know, to be provided to meet, you know, to fix costs and, and everything else, I think it's awesome. We're, we're, you know, you still get there and you still show up and you still do the same process that you're going to do, you know? So I don't know what the difference is if everybody's handed a choice brisket or if everybody's handed a Wagyu brisket or brings their own Wagyu brisket, you know, we're still going through and we're still competing and still, I think it's just as fun. Honestly, I think last year I had the most fun at any contest, you know, all year that I had out there. I mean, I thought it was cool. You know, you the camaraderie you get picking out your own meat, you know, I mean, you, everybody gathers around and you draw a ping pong ball and, and you, you know, there's an extra surprise when you get back to your, to your, uh, site. Okay. What did I get? You know, how am I going to deal with this? You know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's harder than cooking a regular contest, honestly. Um, you know, you might get a pork butt with no money muscle on it. Well, all you turn in is money muscle. You got to figure out how to cook and, and how to turn in something else that works. I mean, there's, there's more challenges to it. Um, 
you know, on that end. And, and it's also easier for somebody new to get in at the same time because they don't have to, okay, what are they going to do? Drive around and look for a bunch of meat all weekend. They don't know what they're looking for. So, and they're intimidated by that. So why not show up to the contest, get your meat and start cooking? I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. And I think it's good for barbecue. I think it's, you know, it, it keeps you from spending a million dollars on, on crazy meat and stuff like that. Um, you know, so I think it'll help barbecue grow if it takes off and, and even if it doesn't, I think it's fun to do. So I'm going to keep doing it. Do you personally feel, and I mean, you, you talk to a lot of the, uh, the, the top pit masters out there, uh, fairly mm-hmm. regularly. Do you think it's a concept, uh, or, or an idea that, that has legs and, and would easily spread around? Um, or do you think it, it's still kind of a, it sounds really good and everybody's glad Sterling, uh, will do one or two, but realistically mm-hmm. it's probably not going to spread across the country. Well, I think it'll spread if it gets if it gets uh, sponsorship funding and stuff like that. I mean, for somebody to come up with ten grand prize money and all the meat, you know, I mean, four hundred fifty dollars is not enough money. Yeah. Okay, without sponsorship, so, um, you know, hats off to Sterling for having some ambition and taking this thing on, you know, for a potential. And and he's got the, you know, he's got the ambition to do it, and he'll, you know, he'll find the sponsors, you know, and, and I'll help him, you know, whatever I can do. But it's. Um, I think it's good for barbecue. Like I said, it brings out, you can bring out the family. I mean, the places that it's held at, you know, are family friendly. Um, you know, I've been talking to them about maybe having one in our area, you know, at a resort that's, that's got a pool, that's got a miniature golf course deal. And it's got, you know, it'd just be a fun weekend and, and it would be, you know, it's what barbecue should be about, you know, instead of just, you know, buying the most expensive meat and having a, you know, can you pick the good meat out contest? I mean, I don't know. It's, and I enjoy both of them, but I think this does have legs, yeah. Tim Shear is the pit master for Shake and Bake Barbecue, the 2015 KCBS Rib King, and uh, will be starting his 2016 season here shortly. Uh, Tim, really appreciate the time tonight, man, and uh, you know breaking all the rib stuff yeah. down, talking about the, the drum stuff. <laughs> uh, continued success. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. You got have it. Good night. There he is, Tim Shear, Shake and Bake Barbecue. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Hopefully in the first interview segment I did with Tim, you guys were taking notes. He knows a lot about how to cook good ribs because he's the rib king of Chicago. You're Abe Froman, the rib king of Chicago. Sweater vest, devastatingly handsome. Anyway... All the way back in the first hour, first-time guest and making a raucous first appearance, Mark Gillespie from WhiskeyCast, whiskeycast.com, his website. We look forward to having him back sooner than later. Then we talked with Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Frozen Bones, Choke the Chicken coming up, uh, respectively, in successive months. A backyard event, single competition, ribs and then chicken. Also talked about his mentoring programs that he's doing and... Uh, again, congratulations to Tim on 2015 Barbecue Ambassador of the Year for KCBS. And then the second hour, we talked with Tim Shear, pitmaster of Shake and Bake Barbecue. We went from prep to cook to box his 2015 Team of the Year ribs process. You're welcome. Thanks, Tim. Uh, Gateway Drum Smokers, uh, he makes them, sells them, makes them. They're taking off like hotcakes. If you've always wondered what it's like to cook on a drum, get in touch with Tim. Look at the proof in the results on the competition circuit. 
and uh, realize that you don't have to drop, you know, ten and fifteen thousand dollars on a top-notch cooker that is bringing the results, whether it be in the competition scene or the backyard, doesn't matter. GatewayJumpSmokers.com is the website as well. All right. Uh, thanks again. Congratulations to all of us on eight years of doing this live show. It's awesome. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. And until next tu- <coughs> and until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.